All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the 300 Podcast. And today we have a very special guest in the studio. We have front of the podcast, Mattis here. Mattis, how are you doing today? Guys, how are you? I'm glad to have you. It's good to finally get you on the podcast. I feel like we've been trying to get it for a while. Yeah, yeah, it's been a bit. And considering the fact that we've known each other for a very, very, very long time, we'd say, what are we going on now? 12, 13 years? Sometime in high school. So, throwback, we were high school, went, went through college together, slobcats together, and we, uh, <laughs> we, we, we survived. We went so. from uh, starting to learn how to drink to drinking too much and blacking out and getting sick. To uh, not really drinking ever anymore. Yeah, yeah. To, to learning the effects of, of alcohol <laughs> and why I think past the age of twenty five, um, everything goes pretty much downhill and in, in an absolute nosedive. So, we basically I, have gone from teenagers to now old washed men. Yeah, exactly. I, I like to think of myself as as a man who's quite different. I'm distinguished. Yeah, there we go. I have a character. Yes, we we certainly do. <laughs> All right. So uh, obviously, you know, like the deal. We talk about Boston sports primarily, but we also like to fuck around a little bit. But first, before we get into that, we got to talk about the Celtics. And last night, Game 3, was a little bit of a shit show. After dominating the first two games, the Celtics, they did not look good. I mean, they came out of the gates. They looked slow. They looked, they kind of looked like a young team that was feeling themselves a little bit too much. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty much how the script was supposed to go. You know, you're going back to Cleveland. You know you're not going to win every single game there, especially on the road. And, and LeBron is LeBron James. I mean, yeah. you know, the man's not human. I, uh, I'd always said, you know, wait for the day he falls on the court and wires just pop out <laughs> instead, instead of blood. So, you know, um, you knew he was going to come out strong, but um, they just they didn't miss last night. You know, and as bad yeah. as, as the Celtics played, I also think that Cleveland played really well. Yeah, because that was something like the Celtics didn't look great. They looked like they... Yeah, they just weren't ready to play. But the Cavs were on fire. I mean, uh, they were hitting, I think it was 52% from three plus 50% from the field. Compare that to the first two games where they were like 15% and 32%. So, I mean, you knew that the Cavs were going to get hot. You knew they were going to start shooting better, especially for a team that's so dependent on the three-point shot all year long. But to go from 15 and 30 to 50, I mean, what are you going to do in that situation? Yeah, and if you can't keep up, it's not that they can't keep up, but last night they couldn't keep up offensively. And if you remember back to the beginning of the year, there were times before, you know, Tatum started off pretty well at the beginning of the year, but then he kind of hit a little bit of a wall. Um, and there was this lull period where there wasn't a lot of scoring off the bench. It was before Terry took off, um, before Tatum really established himself, before Morris kind of got hot. And I think last night it kind of reared its ugly head uh, again a little bit because you had Jalen who was taken out of the game pretty early, or at least out of the rhythm of the game. Um, Horford taking four shots, you know, him not getting anything there. Um, you know, it just didn't seem like a lot of guys got going last night. Tatum had a good game, but... Yeah, and I, I think that people kind of started forgetting with how well the young guys played the first two games. They forgot, you know, they're 19, 20 years old. Tatum, you know, he's been in the league for, what, six months, seven months at this point, I don't know, whenever the season started. The guy was at Duke last year. The, the guy can't grow a beard. Yeah. And Jalen Brown looked like an absolute all-star, superstar in the first two games. He was going off. No one could guard him. Then he gets to Cleveland on this game, and he definitely has a setback. He only had 10 points last night. But he also got in foul trouble early. He had, I think he got his fourth foul. It was like, His fourth foul was before people were sitting down from getting their beers at halftime. So it's kind of hard to play like that. He even said post-game that it's hard to guard LeBron James and you can't touch him. So the, the Cavs are getting a little bit of home cooking with uh, you know the, the referee giving, giving them some fouls that maybe they shouldn't have. But the young guys took a step back last night, which probably shouldn't be a surprise. Yeah, and LeBron's always going to get that in Cleveland, you know. Yeah. Um, there was one foul in particular last night where I think, you know, you look back and it was semi Hojale on him. He, he might have got him a little bit on the shoulder. But um, at the same time, I almost can't even get mad because LeBron, I, I, I'm, I'm a LeBron supporter. 
I, I really am. I mean, I know, I, I think he's a bit arrogant and he can certainly be douchey. I mean, there, there's there's no one douchier than LeBron when he wants to be. He's, yeah. he's pretty good at being a douche. But um, he's also just, if you're a basketball fan, you have to respect him. And it, it's just magic at work. Um, and you had said earlier, too, and a lot of people that compare him to Magic Johnson more so than Jordan was because of, of he's a wizard with the ball. Yeah. To be that big and that talented and, and to be looked at as a, you know, a small forward who's also played some power forward, but you can also play point guard, and it's just absolutely incredible. And some of the passes he was making last night, um, you know, through the legs, through others' legs, through Horford's legs, through, and it's, I almost can't even get mad, and you're like, it it was going to happen. You knew there was going to be one of those games this series. Yeah, it was insane watching him last night. You know, it is every night. Game two, he had 45 points, whatever Mm -hmm. it was. And in game three, he just, like you said, he looks just like Magic Johnson. He's crazy with the ball. He shouldn't look like it. Like, if when you look at Marcus Morris and Greg Monroe and LeBron, they're all similar size. But, like, Greg Monroe, he's a big man. He's a center. Marcus Morris, you know, he's a big guy that can shoot. He can't handle the ball. LeBron handles the ball like a freaking point guard. Mm-hmm. And just the way he's moving the ball around. Like, last night, there was the play where he, uh, he got double teamed. He somehow hooks the ball around the two defenders for an easy layup. And just, like, you can't defend that. And then there's another uh, play where he's driving to the hole. He gets to the basket, he jumps up, and I don't know if it was Jalen or someone is contesting the shot. And he's midair, like d- deciding what to do at the last moment. And in the last second, he sees someone in the corner and whips a pass just with one hand no around problem. the guy for a perfect wide open three. No problem. Like, like the guy's got incredible court vision. So LeBron is a guy that he's a total douche. I can't stand him sometimes. But as a basketball fan, he's incredible. So I remind myself. This is, this is one of the best players of all time, so enjoy watching this guy, even as much as he, he does get us in recent years. Watching him just kind of dominate like that in the court is incredible. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I, there are people that get upset when he gets compared to Jordan Stella, and I don't understand it. I mean, I, I think he has to be, if he's not your one, then you're two. I think it's hard to argue, sure, you have guys like Kobe Bryant or, or you know, some of the other greats, but... You think about the fact that if he makes this, this would be his eighth straight final, which is insane. And you look at the guys around him, and he really doesn't have anyone. I mean, Kevin Love, don't get me wrong, very good player, um, all-star level player, who I think would be a a decent two, phenomenal three Mm. on a good team. But Cleveland doesn't have that two. Um, You get guys like J.R. Smith who, when they get hot, such as last night, and hit every shot they make, they can be dangerous. But the fact that he was still able to carry this team to this point is impressive. I, I think yeah. pound for pound, if you look at the the, the the rosters, I do think the Celtics actually have more depth. I think we have a better team, better talent overall than the Cavs. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think that I've been saying this since the start of the series, which is why I picked the Celtics in seven. They are, despite the injuries, they are deeper as far as scoring threats. I mean, you have Jalen Brown, you have uh, Jason Tatum, you have Al Horford, Marcus Morris is, Marcus is good for great. 20. Uh, Terry uh, Rozier. Terry Rozier can pop off for 20 or 30 in any given night if he yeah. gets hot. Even Marcus, Marcus Smart has, has his game where he can score, and that guy's an option. Whereas the Cavs, obviously there's LeBron, and then there's Kevin Love. After that, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's anyone's it's guess who's going who's gonna to score. And that's why him getting to potentially his eighth straight final is incredible. And I still give Jordan the nod as best as the GOAT just because, you know, of six course. titles. Of course. With LeBron, I feel like people's argument is always, yeah, he drags these teams, he gets this far with a bunch of bums around him. The only thing I say to that is, he put himself in this position. He's forced the team to to build aging old rosters with guys like, uh, you know, they brought in Isaiah Thomas and, you know, they traded Kyrie Irving and 
uh, all the guys that they bring in over the years, it's usually because it's his buddies or it's guys that he thinks are going to help him, his game, his game style. Like even Tristan Thompson, he's good sometimes. He's a freaking bum other times. That team's locked into so many old aging contracts that, you know, they're not going to get any better next year. So if they don't beat the Celtics this year, he's looking around. He might jump ship anyways. Yeah, I think he's gone. I, I think, think he, he is I too. think he's gone. I mean, I was just talking about this the other day. I, is it too early for where's LeBron going talk? Even if they get to the finals, even if they beat us, because again, no I shot. Mean, you know, I think it was very humbling last night. Of course, I didn't think we we're going to sweep them. I do still think we'll win the series, but um, even if he gets to the finals, they're not winning the finals, and you have to start thinking about where he's going. Um, you know, but <laughs> kind of look at, at, at what happened to LeBron this year, where you trade Kyrie Irving. A very strange situation, because they say Kyrie kind of forced his hand, uh, the Cavs' hand, but did you actually have to trade him at this point? Could you have salvaged it or the things that you could have done? Yeah, maybe. But Danny Ainge, man, how yeah. does he keep doing this? He basically gets Kyrie Irving for a first-round pick. I love Isaiah Thomas, but it's going to be very interesting to see where his career goes from this, this way out. I think he's a tough dude. I think he'll bounce back somewhere next year, but I don't think he's ever going to be that player that he was here. Jay Crowder, decent role player out in Utah, and the eighth pick could be anyone from an all-star to a janitor in <laughs> six months. You so, know, and no disrespect to janitors, but it's the draft picks are such a crapshoot, and I just at this point, I, I feel like we lost nothing. We had two top three picks two years yeah. in a row, and for to bring them in, so LeBron could sit there and kind of go to Cavs management and be like, "What did you give me?" You yeah. gave away the best player that I've had since D Wade. The only thing I say to that you is know? the reason Kyrie wanted out so bad was because it got so bad with LeBron. And that that is that's fair, and I think that's true. But at the same time, if I'm the Cavs, I don't know if you're going to be getting much a much better deal than was offered to you by Danny Ainge. Yeah, but I still don't know if I'm pulling the trigger on that because what else do you have after that to help LeBron to yeah. keep him there? And it's what worked, do you have to offer? It's worked out incredible because I remember when the trade went through, everyone was saying, oh, like this is why I couldn't be a GM. I love Isaiah. And looking back now, it was a great deal for the Celtics. Kyrie, we all, we all agreed Kyrie was a much better player, but just watching Isaiah last year, everything he went through, how well he played, it's just, he, he was such a fan favorite. I wouldn't have been able to trade him myself. That's why I'm not a GM. So right. Danny trades him. And essentially, we traded an injured Isaiah, yeah. Jay Crowder, uh, Zizic, and uh, a first-round pick, which was the Brooklyn pick. And that was kind of what everyone was worried about for uh, you know giving in this trade for the Cavs. And uh, credit to Danny Hinge. He hoards these draft picks for years. He won't trade them for shit. He's got to hold on to them. It's just like a running joke how many assets Danny holds, and he, he won't dish them. And then, at the very last possible point, he dumps the last Brooklyn pick. He jumps off, he bails on, he trades it, and it drops to the eighth overall pick. That's fucking hilarious. I can I will never say anything bad about Danny Danny Ainge again. You can't. People were shit talking because he was only won one title. But the way the NBA works, he's in the absolute best possible position without having a mega super all star fall into your lap. Yeah, and let's not forget. And I hate being this this guy. But um, if you actually, it should have been two. If Kendrick Perkins doesn't get hurt, and if Rasheed yeah. Wallace plays a little harder for a full forty-eight, she's a fat fucking bum. If, if he played the way he want, you know, how he was capable of for a full forty-eight, we might have had it. But anyway, that was wheezing I, in game seven. I digress. Um, but you just look at this offseason, everything that he done. Um, everyone's talking about Kyrie Irving. Uh, oh yeah, that guy. What's his name? Gordon Hayward. We get him back next year too. Good, good player. To so get we back. get. We get two perennial all-stars coming back to this team next year, which is just silly to think about. Mm-hmm. But not only that, but look at what he did for Tatum. So he has the one pick, which 
you know, That's teams wait years to be in that position. And then he, he fleeces Philly again. Look, at, I think Fultz still has a chance to be a good player. I'm not giving up on Fultz at all. At all. But the fact that he still gets the guy that he wanted in Tatum, that he would have drafted at one overall, okay, and then you trade that for a future first-round pick to get even more assets, what he did this offseason to bring those three components in, Hayward, Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum, or trading, trading Bradley, getting uh, Marcus Morris, Shemi Ojale was a great pick too. Terry Rozier was a pick by him a couple years ago that people thought was a little high, but he likes his guys. He's a good talent evaluator. He can bring talent in like no one else. And what I can't stand is these teams say, well, teams get mad because Danny's, he's a thief. There's two teams that have to agree to a yeah. deal. These other GMs are agreeing to it. You know, it's not that Danny's like saying, oh, I'm going to trade in my chips. You have to give me these players. The other team has to agree to a trade for it to happen. So when people say, well, Danny's pissing off the league, he's not forcing them to do anything. They are willingly entering into these deals. He is just a brilliant GM. But speaking of Markel Fultz, friend of the podcast, uh, the 300s almost caused a shitstorm for Markel Fultz uh, right before the draft. Yeah, did I never tell you this story? Oh, I'm, I'm sure if I know about this one. So, before the draft, uh, you know, when all the NBA experts are kind of predicting or who's going to go where, who's a good fit where, they were talking about Markel Fultz potentially going to the Celtics, obviously, because he was the number one overall pick everyone expected. And they are talking about the way that Boston runs their offense he'd be a perfect fit with, you know, the old squad with Isaiah and Al Horford and all them just because they run so many pick and rolls. They were saying Fultz would be a great fit there. So I uh, retweeted something, you know, one of those, uh, you know, draft pick videos about him talking about how he'd be a great fit and just saying, oh, you know, who runs a lot of these types of offenses, uh, these pick and rolls, the Celtics, they're, they're pretty good at that. This might be a good fit. And Markel Fultz on Twitter liked that tweet about him and fucking people went nuts. There was like probably 50 tweets I got like saying, the NBA is rigged. This is bullshit because it was before uh, the Celtics had got the number one overall pick. It was before the draft, before the lottery. So everyone was going nuts. And then I screenshotted that, and you know, a few minutes later, Fultz uh, thought better of it and unliked it. But then, obviously, later on, Danny traded out, so it didn't matter. But Markel Fultz will forever be connected to the 300s. I was going to say, if Markel Fultz helps to promote 300s and, and, and <laughs> bring this up to platform and potentially bring us a championship through Jason Tatum... And, you know, that other pick that we got in the deal, if we end up getting someone good with that Sacramento pick next year, well, I'd say we have to at least send him a t-shirt. Oh, something. yeah. He'll get a t-shirt for yeah. real. He probably wouldn't like, I, uh, I made a nice little Photoshop about him because they were using uh, virtual reality glasses to help him get his shot back, but that's a whole other fucking podcast. Okay, I don't understand how that even remotely sounds like a good idea. You, you're... So you're using it's a simulator. I understand that, but a shot is so much about vision and feel that I feel like they're fucking up a little more. You know, having some sort of. I feel like they're probably just like taping his. They're taping his eyes open and just putting shot, putting uh, clips on the loop of like Kobe hitting game winners or something. <laughs> That's gonna be it. Like I don't know how you get to the NBA and you can't shoot. But speaking of Kobe and Fultz and Tatum and that trade, um, I heard that show coming out where Kobe's basically gonna be what mentoring Jason Tatum. Well, so um, he's or, or Tatum's one. Of he was reviewing Kobe. He was, okay. he was watching tape and kind of commenting on it and saying, you know, Tatum's great at this, Tatum should do that. And I know Tatum was all about it. I said he watched it like 25 times. Yeah, That's I a good mean, guy to take advice I, from. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. He listened to Black right. Mamba. He knows what he's talking about. Kobe's all right. But speaking of the Celtics, you know, this series as, as we uh, go, game four is on Monday night. But let's jump ahead a little bit for the offseason. Now... Obviously, they have two max players coming back in Gordon Hayward, and you know, Kyrie's not technically a max player, but he will be. You know, those two guys coming back to a team that's gotten this far that 
maybe in the NBA Finals, even if not, they're, you know, putting LeBron to the limit. So what are your thoughts on that? I know there's been some, a lot of trade chatter on uh, sports radio. Oh, it's never too early for off-season talk. <laughs> I mean, it's not, you know, it, it's it's crazy as a fan. Sometimes you almost kind of enjoy the off-season more than you do the regular Especially season. Especially the NBA. The, the NBA off-season is the best. It is fun. It is fun. And, you know, they've been saying for the past couple of years, Danny has promised fireworks. And I think we got our fireworks last year. Last year, I mean, sure. We got a, a grand finale. This is, this is some Bob's Boston pop shit here. Mm-hmm. We had Lockhart in the background and everything. <laughs> it was great. Uh, but, no, I just think to, to think of... This team being in the East, just even in the Eastern Conference Finals, and, and I do legitimately think we are going to go to the Finals, but I'm just going to knock on that real quick. Um, to get two perennial All-Stars back is insane. I mean, it, it's you have Kyrie, who is a top 15 player, Hayward, who I would say top 25, top 30, um, you know, at least, yes. to get them to add them back to this team. And it's a great thing, in theory... But you're going to have to make some moves. The, the rotation mm. that we have now works so well, and I am such a big proponent of team chemistry being, being a big factor. I think there are people that can dismiss it and say, oh, it's the players. I do think that the, the chemistry, the way they work together, the way it's handled, you already got Stevens at the top, so you know no matter who's there, he's going to be able to handle it. But the rotation, what, do you, what, what changes do you see being made or, or that we have to make, or would you like to make? So this is... I'll just step back for a second, and this was... After I you know got over the shock of uh, Gordon Hayward's injury and how terrible that was, mm-hmm. um, once you kind of got over that, you stepped back and you said, well, this might be a blessing in disguise because Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are going to get far more playing time than they would have if Hayward was still there. Mm-hmm. So this allowed them to really jumpstart their development. And you've seen it. Like Jason Tatum looks like, you know, obviously he was top three. He looks like he's the, he's the rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. But I've been saying this all year long, just... The guy looks like a future first-team All-NBA. Mm-hmm. The guy's so long. He's got that one, that one move where he takes a step and he just gets the guy and he can just roll it in underhand, but he can also shoot like a like a freaking assassin. He's one of the best shooters in the league at one point. He was yeah. the best shooter yeah. in the league at one point uh, from, from deep. I don't know where he finished, but I know for most of the year he was leading the league. He was about to set a record for three-point percentage for a rookie, mm-hmm. so that was incredible. Yep. Jalen Brown looks like he's taking the next step. Yes, and at the start of the year, he looked like he might be a defensive guy at the bench who maybe score. He looks like another future all-star. So Danny's, you know, hit it, hit it out of the park with those two. But like I said, I think having those two play that many minutes has been a you know, blessing this guy. And then even getting into the playoffs, going this deep, getting that experience is huge. So going to next year, obviously you have Hayward and you have Kyrie back. So that's going to knock back uh, with Hayward. Either Tatum or Brown's going to have to go to the bench. One of them has to go to the bench. And I don't know, whoever you want to put in there, I mean, maybe it's Tatum because Tatum's more of a shooter up the bench. I don't know. And then also with Kyrie coming back, you know, you're going to have three point guards with Kyrie, um, Rozier, and Smart. So people are talking about eventually you're going to have to pick between Smart and Rozier. And they're such different players. It's like, you know, what do you like? What do you, do you value? Do you value the, the defense, the tenacity, the, the Tommy points that Marcus Smart gets? Yeah, kind of the intangibles. Points. And it's, it's hard to quantify, but he was noticeably better when he came back from injury. Or do you pick Terry Rozier, who could put up 30 on any given night? The guy's hot. The guy can shoot. He's a great offensive player. But, you know, he's not consistent. So, one of those guys is going to have to probably get moved. I would probably move Rozier as much as I love him. I think he's a great player. I think it's a redundancy with Kyrie. If you have Kyrie and then Rozier and then Smart, that's too many point guards for any of them to actually get significant playing time. Yeah, and I would agree with that. I agree with a lot of what you said. And I guess I would just start with the whole Brown-Tatum debate who's going to 
start, who's going to go to the bench? Because next year when you come back, you always have Kyrie at the one. Um, and, you know, Horford at, at the four. But he, I, I don't you got a lot of options in terms of small ball lineups. And it could be one of those where there's a starting lineup, but there's a lot more of a rotation, more so than you're, you're, you're you know, just five men out there and then the guy's coming off the bench. If I had to start somebody at the two, I think I would probably actually go Brown. Um, and the reason why is because speaking of trade chatter, there's a lot of people talking about Kawhi Leonard. And going know. after him, I don't, I don't either. I don't, I don't understand the point of it. You've already got such good talent. And, and again, you want to talk about redundancy. Yeah. You bring him in, we've already got that. I think Jalen Brown is a young Kawhi. You know, I yeah. think they're the same type of player. Um, but Kawhi didn't really pop to like what, like his fourth year? Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and they're both great defensively. I mean, Jalen's offensive game is just incredible, the leaps and bounds that he made this year. Um, but as far as who do you get rid of between Rogier and Smart, everything you just said is 100% how I feel. Where Smart is that grit and balls player that's going to get in there and, and win you a game. I mean, David Bradley, if, uh, when he was here, if anyone remembers that shot he made in Cleveland last year, that buzzer beater, I think it was last year, that beat LeBron in Cleveland. Mm, it was yeah. like a Friday night game. Yeah. It was Smart that won that game. Smart was the one that was under that basket that got that rebound and kicked it out to Rozier. If Smart right. doesn't get that, we don't win that game. And that's the type of plays that he makes. And you can't always find that. I'm not even just saying that he's a good defender. It's it's about more than just being a good he's got defender. He's for the ball, yeah. Exactly. Like said, he's that grit and balls player. You know, I mean, balls to the wall. You hear that cliche all the time, but that is him. But then you have a guy like Rozier... Um, who I think his scoring potential is off the charts. Someone compared it to Harden, and yes, it may seem a little ambitious, but at the same time, with the way they play, it's like that herky-jerky, slashy style. Mm. Um, his shot, his three-point shot, I didn't even think he had that coming out of college. You know, him and Jalen both improved there. But the one thing you have to think about with Rozier, too, or at least I think about, is he's Kyrie in the insurance. I yeah. know it was a freak injury. I mean, I watched it happen. It was heartbreaking to see him go down like that in game one of the finals. I think that would have been an entirely different series if he was in that. And it was just screws causing inflammation, so it wasn't any structural damage. I get that. But it's still a knee. And I think that having Rozier there gives you some comfort, but you also can't, you can't use everybody. So Now, do you know, does Rozier have one or two years left? That's a good question. Because um, if he's got one... I, I, I'm not sure if he's got one. That's kind. Of, it's kind of. I mean, yes, one after meaning next season. I think would be his last one. Right. Yeah. So with one year left, you, his value is never going to be higher. You you could potentially get a pretty decent first round pick for him. Um, you know, again with those mid round first round picks, very often are shit in the NBA. So who knows? If it's even worth it. But yeah, I mean, having insurance for Kyrie could be big. So. A lot of decisions to be made, but we, I think we can both agree that uh, the dummies on Sports Talk Radio calling and saying trade Kyrie or trade right. Hayward. Have you guys fucking watched any of the games? Yeah. Like, this team is this good. Add two max players. They're, if they're not, I mean, they won't be the favorite because of Golden State, but they will be the second favorite team to win next year, hands down. Yeah. And I think, too, going back to what I said a little earlier on in the, in the podcast when I said that I think a big problem last night was the scoring, the scoring issue rearing its ugly head. And I don't want to call it an issue because we, we played well all year, but there, there were times this year where you didn't always have that go-to guy. Except, I mean, Jalen, Tatum, and, and Roger have been hot lately. Before they really got hot, you always didn't have it. 
Kyrie and, and, and Hayward, you know you're going to get that every time. You know they're going to be able to score, score, and score any, any time. So, no, you can't get rid of them. But here's my question, too, is if you do trade Rozier, what do you want? I mean, because yeah. you can't bring back more players because then you have the same problem. And yeah. honestly, I'm sick of the draft picks. Look, we have two top three picks. We got Sacramento's pick next year. They're not going to be that great, so that's another lottery pick next year. Do you trade it for like a 20-30 pick? Really set you back down the line? Like, what could you get? The only thing I think I that's think, a big thing you got to think of, too. The only thing I think you could trade it for that would make it worth it is to get a pick that you'll use in a package or something else for another player. Right, but like then if you again, get a, if, like if you get another first-round pick, you package it with... Your own pick and say maybe uh, the Kings pick next year, package that with a player for like Anthony Davis or something, that's when you're talking. But if you're in addition for a late first round pick or a future first round pick, it's like the Celtics team now, it's ahead of you know the time the timeline we thought it would be in, but they're in that win now window. Because even look at Golden State, they're starting to run into some problems with the way they fit. Steph Curry's ankle, who knows if that's ever gonna really be healthy. And then they're also they're about to run into a wall of luxury tax payments. I've, I saw a graphic on SportsCenter a while back, and I forget, I don't know if it's next year or the year after it kicks in, the luxury tax it is going to be like $300 million for Golden State. So that team's not going to be together forever. No. So if they can get to the finals this year, awesome, that's great. Next year, they have a legitimate chance to win it. After that, the NBA, it's wide open. It could be them running off multiple titles. So I think the team you have right now, you have the veterans, you have the max players, and you have potential excellent budding all-stars on cheap rookie contracts in Brown and Tatum. You have the best of both worlds. I love the idea of trading for guys. Unless it's Anthony Davis, I don't want to fuck this team up. Even that, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm assuming if you're offering me Anthony Davis, it, shut up and take my money. Take anything yeah. you want on my team. You can have any player. You can have Kyrie. I, I, Anthony Davis is legitimately, I think it goes LeBron, Harden, Durant, Anthony Davis. I yeah. might even put Anthony Davis over two behind LeBron. Before the year, I said I would trade every single person on the entire roster for Anthony Davis. I would anything you want, New Orleans. Anything you want, <laughs> anything you want, we'll take Anthony Davis. But besides that, yeah, there's not really. I'm a not guy doing it for Kawhi. I'm not, I'm not doing it for Kawhi. I'm not doing it for Kawhi. The guy I'm hasn't not, played in a year and a half. Yeah, and it just doesn't even make sense. Again, we've already got Kawhi or Kawhi type people on our team, yeah. and and. I think, again, it would mess up the chemistry. I also, there's a lot to be said about, I don't know the full story, I'll be honest, because I, I hate those little bullshit drama stories. I want to know what happened in the game. I want to know where, yeah. where teams are going. But, you know, he, he could have came back and his team's saying no, and then the Spurs are mad, and him and Pop aren't getting along. We don't need that here, yeah. you know? Very, it, very sketch. Yeah, exactly. So, you already took a risk with that with Kyrie, where I love Kyrie, but he's had a little bit of a two problem through his career, too. Don't want to, you know, stir the pot. I want to bring up a guy who I don't want to disrespect because I really do like him and I think that he is a good player. If I'm Danny, I'm looking at moving to Horford. And the reason why... Two years left after this? Yes. Now, it would make more sense if this were after next year because, again, he's got two years left on his contract. Yeah. I don't know if there's a player option after that for him to... I think it's just straight four-year deal. Yeah. So, um, so if it's a straight-up four-year deal, you know, it's an expiring contract... Horford's the type of guy where, again, like last night you said he got four shots. He was That's great in the Philly. Yeah, and he was great in the Philly series. And there are times where he steps up and like, there's Al Horford. There's that guy who won a championship at Florida in college, who was on some pretty good Atlanta teams. Now, I, again, they didn't really go anywhere, but they were always in the playoffs. They were always a tough out. You know, um, and here, he, he's the best thing we got down low. But if we could just kind of get more of that, like a almost a, a stretch four, but a, a stronger, bigger stretch four, um, 
and maybe trade some for that for a cheaper option there, a younger guy there. I could see that. You know, because we're going to yeah. run into our own issues too with these contracts in a couple of years. And I it think works if you're out. Trying to move forward now. That's the guy that I would see what you could you could do with. The thing is, it works out well the timelines just because Horford's on a four year deal, and you no, know, so he's got two seasons left after this. I think Jalen Brown, that would be when he would be up for his first big contract. So you might just move right on from Horford into that kind of contract, and then the same thing with Tatum and maybe potentially Gordon Hayward. Those contracts kind of line up that way. Um, Horford. Shooting four shots the other night is fucking inexcusable for a max player. Mm-hmm. And especially after the first two games and even the previous series, he looked great. He looked aggressive. He was attacking the rim. He was shooting. Don't want to take four shots. That's, no. You have to take 10 shots, 15 shots. You're the, the veteran. You're potentially one of the best players on the team. You're the guy who knows where he should be at all times. You need to be shooting the ball. With that being said, Al Horford is potentially the most divisive at Boston athlete really in our generation. Yeah, no. Like, who's the last yeah. guy you can think of where you ask, you know, 10 people, you get 10 different answers. You get yeah. one guy saying, he's great, you know what you're talking about, you don't understand the game, yeah. he's a great player, he's he does the, the key, little things, he's the X factor. they he's run the, the offense the through him, a big man who can pass is so valuable in this league. And you get other guys saying, he took four fucking shots, he scored eight points last night, mm-hmm. why is he a max player? Yeah, or you get those other guys too where kind of like I feel is, I think you can find... 20 of those players in the NBA. He, he's an all-star, and I don't want to disrespect you, Big Al. I, I, I love you, man. I think you're a great player, and I don't think we're here without you at this point. But, yeah, four shots. If your team's struggling last night, you're the max guy. Kyrie's not there. Hayward's not there. You need to step That's up and get it done. You have to do something. You, you've got to, you know, and he's not a huge guy, so maybe guys like you know Tristan Thompson are wearing him down a bit. But he usually holds his own against most players in the NBA. I just think there's something that happens where he's not always the same guy. He's not the most reliable player. He can be that guy. And like you said, he can pass. He can do the little things. He's brilliant, you know. But that's the guy I maybe think about moving. And I think that the, the team with the way we're set up and the NBA as a whole is trending more towards small ball anyway. And I think he can play small ball because he can, he can well, go out great. he can, he can shoot the three. He's a great, I'm not saying that he can't play that, but I think moving his money and also kind of selling high on him when you can still sell to another team, he's that veteran guy you need. I think that Horford is the one you try to move and see what's out there right now. I just don't want to get back for him because he's making so much money, and it's like he does have that kind of mixed reputation. But I will say, the way the Celtics are built right now, it's perfect for the way the NBA is with uh, even comparing them to Golden State. Like, Golden State really kind of, you know, they're the, the gold standard for that. Um, just with having the guys at one through five that could basically defend any position. They can they get tall guys, they get big guys, they can, they can move. You look at the Celtics, they have guys coming around on screens, they switch, it's not, not a problem, you know, not counting last night. But looking at Horford, he, he can play center, he can play the four. He's jumping out, he's covering Hill uh, you know, outside of the three-point line. This team is so flexible in who they can put where. That's why they're so effective. So like you said, um, throwing out, they might have their starting lineup next year with you know, Kyrie and Hayward and whoever else fits wherever. But they can throw out a one through five with four guys that cover any position. Yeah. And almost all those guys could cover uh, quote-unquote center in the NBA these days. Like, uh, they had Kevin Love playing center the other night. That guy's not a fucking center. No. Um, speaking of uh, centers and guys that we have down there, and uh, someone I want to really make sure we give some love to in this podcast is Aaron Baines. Um, Aaron Baines. I, I, the I big Australian Baines. oak tree. Yeah, I mean, he's just... And he's that guy where... It's so funny to watch him because you, you sometimes when you watch him in the court, you would not say he's a great defensive player because he doesn't make these wild plays. He doesn't have amazingly quick feet. But he just gets there. 
Yeah. He's just there. He actually had one of the highest, if not the highest, I think, um, uh, player de- de- defensive rating in the league this year. Yeah, yeah. So um, he, he's been an anchor. He was huge. Yeah. He was huge in the last round just because of Embiid. Yeah, exactly. Two, two big guys going head to head. This series, it looked like he might get phased out a little bit with Kevin Love playing playing mm-hmm. the five. But once they they slid Thompson in, that kind of brought him back into it a little bit. So he's been back in there. So he's you know good offense. Oh, no, offensive. He's a good aggressive uh, kind of. Big guy to have under there. He's kind of like, you know, the modern-day perk for the Celtics where he gets in there, he kind of mucks it up a little bit. And, you know, he throws some hard fouls. He's kind of our, a little bit of our enforcer. But he's not a total bum. Despite no. popular what people think, no. he, uh, I think still, if not still, it was within the last few days, leads the league in the playoffs in three-point field percentage. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. It, 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 I mean, he, he also, I'm pretty sure he, in terms of the defensive rating, I mean, he, he was at least top three. He was number one yeah. for a while. Because when he does, is he just gets in the way. And what I'm kind of looking, he he's like me when I play NHL after a while, where I, I'm certainly not an, on you know um, PS4 or, or whatnot. I'm not the best NHL player in the world. Um, and after a while, when I get up, I just start kind of bundling people and at least yeah. stops them from scoring. And that's kind of what he is. He's just a big guy that just goes, ah, I'm just going to at least get in front of you. Yeah. Sometimes he gets posterized, sometimes he doesn't. But I think one thing that could help is getting a more skilled Baines. You know, someone who, sure. like that real tough, because even though Horford's there and he's a good defensive player and he, he, he's a good rebounder, he doesn't really strike toughness or fear down low to me. No. And I think, like, having a guy like that that can go against, like, a, a Draymond or... And Houston, and I think one guy who's getting a lot of disrespect, and I would kill to have this man, Clint Capella. I mm. love Clint Capella. I think he is a great player, but we don't really have an answer to guys like that. Yeah. You know, Horford can get there and mix up with Draymond, but when going gets tough, I feel like Horford's a guy who could really kind of fade if he's really getting beat up in a game. Yeah. And I think that's, if I were to improve any area of the team, that would be it. I don't think you need to get rid of Horford. I'm not saying he's a problem, and I think that you can win a championship without Horford this team. But that's one that I think a lot of people aren't kind of thinking about where, where I would look about Danny. So. All right, well, we'll see. we got Celtics, game four, Monday night. Um, if they lose again to the Cavs uh, in Cleveland and it goes back to Boston tied 2-2, then I start getting concerned. I think of LeBron, he's like Jason Voorhees. He's not dead until you see him dead. If you look down and he looks like he might be dead and you walk away, no. The guy needs, he needs to be dead. You need to put a nail in his coffin. Get one in Cleveland, bring it back. Then make them win three more, three out of four. So just don't let this get away from you. If, if we come back to you, I'm not going to be happy. Yeah, let's not forget um, when he won the championship, uh, he was down 2 0 in that right. series, uh, which was pretty crazy. You know, we could bring up the Draymond suspension and this and that, but I'm sorry to come down, come back from down 2 0 to Golden State to win a championship. This man is not done. I mean, you cannot yeah. sleep on him, uh, but you have to win game four. You have to win one in Cleveland now. You can't wait till game six because if they if they tie this back up, the whole momentum of the series changes. I don't want LeBron in game seven. As I much as we shit on the guy, if we come back to Boston him. tied and yep. it's 0-0. Zero, zero, yep, exactly. I'm not looking forward to that. I mean, but I think you absolutely have to win this game. Yes, you can have them win that, and then you can win five and six. In Cle- but if you don't win that six in Cleveland, like you said, there's game seven, whole different ballgame. And uh, I think game four, this to me, is the most pivotal game of the series. And I know people always used to like, this is the game, this is the one, but I really think game four, this is the game. How do the Celtics bounce back after getting slapped in the face like that last Mm -hmm. night? This is a huge, huge game. And to me, is the most pivotal, interesting game of the series. 
All right, now with that being said, we're going to switch gears a little bit. We have big summer coming up. We have a lot of movies coming up. Yes. I know there's a lot of shit you're excited to see. Um, I know there's a whole list of them that we wanted to go through. And I haven't really got tickets. I, I, I don't really, I'll be honest, I don't get to the movies as much as I like to. I end up bootlegging half the shit. But I went out of my way. I made sure I got uh, tickets opening weekend to Avengers. Um, there's a lot of big movies coming out this summer. I know the first one actually came out this past weekend was Deadpool 2. Yeah, which I don't remember the last time I was this excited for a movie, except probably for last weekend when I saw The Avengers <laughs> the other week. But um, no, Deadpool, I think, is probably the coolest movie to come out in such a long time because just like the way it even started, the passion that Ryan Reynolds had to just hold on to it for so long, and what he ended up making was so unique, and it's almost kind of like starting a trend, you know, where... Um, it's this superhero movie in the midst of all these, like, you know, family kind of, uh, appropriate type movie. You, you know what I mean? Where you, you can't really get too dark or too yeah. deep with it. Um, but with that, they did, but it was also lighthearted. Um, for this new one, I'm excited for a lot of the characters. I mean, how about Josh Brolin having a month, you know, coming in as Thanos, he's going to play Cable in this, you're bringing in Domino. Um, I, I just think that, they can go a lot of ways with this. I just want to say one thing to any of the kids listening. Never give up. Never give up. Because if Ryan Reynolds had given up, we'd all be sitting here saying, remember how good he was in waiting? <laughs> that guy pushed the script for a decade because it's the character he was born to play. You saw it in movies like Blade Trinity. Like, oh, that's like a great precursor to this. You saw it in... Uh, even when he, when he played Deadpool in, in uh, the shithole movie that was X-Men Origins yep. Wolverine. So he's been pushing this forever. And it finally got made, and it was an absolute home run. And it's the character he'll be re- remembered for forever. He oh, was born absolutely. to play that role. So don't ever give up, because we could be talking about his his role in waiting, or, or how Just Friends was better than people say it was. Yeah, it was... Just Friends actually was a sneaky <laughs> It was actually a pretty good rom-com. It was actually pretty sneaky good. Um, but I the way it happened, I remember that test footage they rolled out, that, the, the, yeah, highway the, scene, yeah, yeah, that yeah. the highway scene, and that's kind of what got people on board and got him... Uh, the, the money and the push that he needed to bring it to the studio. Um, and, I mean, you look at the people that bring... I mean, you get a movie that wasn't even going to be made to having Josh Brolin star in the second mm. one, too. You know, I mean, this is, like, some pretty legit stuff. But I think what you've even seen that's interesting is a lot of the other movies that have been made since Deadpool have kind of gone a little darker. Yeah. I think Marvel had to, to go back to Infinity War for a second... This wasn't the same lighthearted, funny kind of movie that Marvel Dark had. Shit. You know, there were the funny moments, but I'm not going to lie. When uh, Peter started fading away at the end there, hugging Tony, um, and you're saying, I don't want to go, he pulled the heartstrings a little bit. It was yeah. a little... Well, uh, we'll be sure to throw in a spoiler alert logo before we talk yes. about that, just in case. Yes. It's only been out three weeks. I so mean, if Spider-Man happened well, to I'll do I'll throw a giant spoiler movie. alert in there. Yeah. But, uh, no, yeah, that definitely was uh, a heart... Talking about the heartstrings. Yeah, and there were certain characters in there that, again, just for the purposes of not spoiling, I won't, I won't do any more name drops. Very did. So. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, no, they they're, they're taking that different tone. Um, Logan too was another one Logan. where that was rated R. And I think the success in Deadpool showed that they can kind of do that. So, um, I mean, it was so absurd the first one that I don't even know what it's going to be apparently the plot is uh so cable's son or there's there's someone the cable a kid that he's cable's, trying to kill a kid well, a mutant kid right a mutant kid exactly to come back Deadpool's to get trying him to protect him or something yes and he teams up with all these people including uh peter a guy in the trailer <laughs> i um, have type one and two type two diabetes <laughs> you're in that's great <laughs> so that's going to be awesome um it's just one of those that just the absurdity 
It's going to be interesting because obviously the first one was made on a pretty tight budget. I remember Ryan Reynolds saying that, if you remember in the first one, uh, he takes the cab to that final battle and he's got his whole bag of guns. And he's, he's like ready to shoot it out to go find his, his girlfriend. And then they get to the scene and uh, the cab drives away and he's walking out and he goes, oh shit, I forgot my guns in the, in the cab. Ryan Reynolds had come out and said the reason that they did that was because they didn't have enough money to film a big expensive <laughs> shootout. So that was just like a budget write-in that they put in just to kind of like, oh, fuck, we can't do that. So with That's Deadpool really... 2, obviously it's a much bigger budget. I don't know the exact number, but if you've noticed, there's marketing for it everywhere. He's doing uh, tequila. He was doing uh, some, I saw someone posted it was, it must have been like a Best Buy or something. It was like the rack of movies and it was like, you know, the Matrix and Desperado and uh, old John Cusack movies, but it's all uh, Deadpool, like, on the movie cover, like, reenacting the cover. So it's everywhere. And then even I saw in uh, 7-Eleven a nice uh, throwback reference to the first one. It's like the little gummy candies, but it's little mini hands. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't seen those yet, but that's... Uh, he's so... It's so calculated in, in every move that he's mm-hmm. made with the movie. And I think that's part of the success is because, again, this was his baby. This was him pitching it. This was not him not giving up. Seriously, don't ever give up. It's Ryan Reynolds didn't. But um, even because he, he can step back and he can take that criticism that he's received for some of his other movies, like that shit dead cop thing movie, the R.I.P. Oh, R.I.P.D. Yeah. Oh. oh, God. That that just looked like hot garbage R.I.P. from the D. start. Green Lantern. Ooh. But speaking of Green Lantern, he's so humble. He can step back and go like, all right, this, this, was, shit. this was an abomination. Yeah. What do we do? Like, I love when he's getting wheeled in in the first one. You know, <laughs> and he's like, just don't make the suit green. Um, and there's a cut scene where it's a figurine of the horrible rendition that yeah. was in the X-Men Wolverines one. Oh, yeah. And um, it's just, he, so he knows the mistakes. He knows what, what, what works and what doesn't. And he does it so well. And, and whoever else has teamed up with him on this, I'm so excited. I think I'm going Tuesday night. I, oh, I can't wait. All right, we'll do a recap of that. Another movie coming up, Solo. So I know you're a big Star Wars guy. I think uh, the new movies that are coming out have been very well done. Um, if nothing else, what I always said about Star Wars was I love the originals, but they're a little dated in the way they look, but also more so in the, the sense that a lot of the ideas that they they kind of originated and created, like, you know, Dark versus Light, you got uh, Darth Vader being, you know, the evil father to, to Luke uh, Skywalker. A lot of those have become so commonplace in movies everywhere that you look back and it's like, okay, that's kind of like a lot of other movies. So if you didn't see it growing up, it's a little old. Not to say they're not great, incredible movies. I still love them. But the new movies, you know, just the way they're filmed, they, you know, they, they had great CGI, they have great action shots. I kind of think it brings the old, the greatness of the original ideas into the, the you know, 21st century without being the pieces of shit that were episodes <laughs> one through three. You know, the legendary Jar Jar Banks. Oh, my God. Um, who almost was so bad he was cool. One of those characters. Have you ever heard, <laughs> like, have you ever heard of the Jar Jar Binks is actually... Uh, the Sith Lord. The Sith Lord theory. theory. <laughs> yes. oh, a, that one, like, you, that you, you go back good. and you watch it, like, these movies are actually pretty good. That would be pretty insane. Um, and, and, you know, it's interesting with Star Wars is one that I think, again, like, our, our parents' generation, this was, like, the, the big movie when it came out. It was a big thing. Um, it's still, there's still great movies to this day, the original trilogy. Um, as far as, you know, when it comes to Marvel and comic books, I'm, I'm much more, 
immersed in that world than I am kind of the sci-fi Star Wars world, but everybody loves Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the newer movies, my favorite one personally, and I'm putting them right up there with a lot of the, the original three, I liked Rogue One a lot. Rogue One was really I good. I thought Rogue One was great. I thought it was very well acted. Um, but to go to your point, and we're going to kind of just get off the, the specifically solo for a second here, is you're at the point in the movie uh, landscape where... Everything's recycled. You've seen the same yeah. story a hundred times. So even Rogue One, it's, you know, they're rebelling against this oppressive regime and, you know, a uh, little, little allegorical, a little on the nose, yeah. I think, for uh, <clears throat> maybe or not. Um, but anyway, it's, I've seen movies do that a lot. Like, I don't know if you saw The Shape of Water yet. That was about no. one word. No, no disrespect again with Totoro or anything. Um, but to me, it was the same story. It was basically a love story. It was, it was Beauty and the Beast with a guy that looks like a fish. Or, mm. you know, Avatar, great CGI and everything. But again, we've seen that same story a billion times. So, at least with Solo, it's an origin story. It, it's probably the coolest character, besides maybe Boba Fett, who, again, was in the movies for like three seconds yeah. and had such a cult following. But I'm excited for the characters in it. I'm also excited, first and foremost, because I love... Donald Glover, Josh yeah. Gambino playing Lando. Um, I think that's gonna be so cool because Lando's story was never really explained in the first place. He's like just a cool guy. Yeah, he's just like I know how to do everything. I do these cool jets and I play cars and just yeah, have a lot of money. And I, I really just want to skip the, the solo story and go right to the the Lando uh, standalone. But what I will say is, again, to credit Marvel and the MCU, they were so phenomenal at building a universe that now movies like like Star Wars are starting to take advantage of that and do their own thing just because. We don't have to recreate the same bullshit. It's like, oh, it's the Force, and you know we're fighting evil, and it's like going to be the end of the universe. No, you can tell a story, a one-off. You can tell Rogue One where they stole the plans for the Death Star, and even though, spoiler alert, they all got blown to shit, that was a cool little story that didn't necessarily have to be told in extreme detail. But you're literally in the galaxy. There's so many characters. Even if there's not, you can write them in. And I know there's tons of Star Wars books. There's storylines in the video games. There's oh, so much there's... content that you can create that I think they're finally tapping into that and actually making them well. Yeah. I, the, the material, the source material, is it's almost infinite. I mean, it's just... You can, the, you've can you gone off on all these different paths. There's actually a show my brother watches. Uh, it's an animated show. And forgive me, I, I don't know the name. But uh, it, it's about kind of some of the, the, the outside, periphery, you know... You know, characters and, and, and not really central to yeah. you know the main ones but yeah there's a lot of potential there and this could be either really good or really bad um, yeah. I think it's also going to be very hard for anyone to live up to Harrison Ford I mean no one's going to be Harrison Ford as Solo but from what I've seen in the trailer this kid looks it looks okay. pretty good I'm a little I'm concerned not... because they had the directors and the writers the first guys they got they got kicked out or they quit or whatever I don't know what happened they brought in Ron Howard great director but when another director comes in and finishes a movie, it's never a good thing. And then there was also stories of uh, the guy playing Han. He was such a shitty actor. They were giving him acting coaching lessons on set because they're like, this guy's a bad actor. I don't know how he got the job, but that's concerning. Wow. Now, that could also just yeah, be just you know shitty rumors coming out during a contentious time. But that's not what you want to hear about a potential tentpole film coming out months before it's even released. No. But it's going to make money. I'm going to see it. I don't know if in theaters, but anyone that is interested in it, it does come out on May 25th. So, um, it's actually... Is that much more of that weekend? Isn't it? Yeah. After. So, 
Time is just up a line by. Now, I think we have time for one more movie, and I think it's probably one of the most anticipated movies of the last decade. Uh, it's a film entitled Uncle Drew. <laughs> so this is a movie that I can't believe this actually got made. This is a, something that they're basing a potentially 90-minute movie. I don't know how long it actually is. A 90-minute movie off of a fucking five-second Pepsi commercial. Um, a great Pepsi commercial. It was a great Pepsi commercial. Yeah, brilliant. And then they killed it by making it 20 minutes and adding in Uncle Kevin Love. Yeah. That was too much. That was Like, Uncle Drew originally was hilarious because it was three minutes long. Then you bring in Kevin Love, then you make it 20 minutes, and it's like, okay, this isn't really that fun anymore. You know what? Let's double it down. Let's make a 90-minute feature film about it and bring in every athlete we can. Yep. And it's going to be so silly, and I'm going to love it. And that's exactly why. And I think silly is the word to use because it's just, again, kind of like Deadpool, just the absurdity factor. Like, I, I thought it was just really cool. When Kyrie Irving was first coming up before he really kind of established himself, for those who don't know who Uncle Drew is... Um, Basically, it was a campaign by Pepsi. It's Pepsi, yeah. Right? Um, where Kyrie Irving dressed up as an old man. Um, brilliant makeup work. And, and I mean, he looked like a legitimately like an old man. You couldn't tell it was Kyrie Irving. And he went down to, you know, the, the courts like Rucker Park and all these big, big uh, legendary basketball courts and just started playing like Kyrie Irving. He's in sweats. He looked like he was just hanging out behind a liquor store somewhere. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, and uh, just rolling out of a out of a garbage can, and here he is crossing people up, and they're actually making a movie about it. And you got everyone from you know Shaq is in it uh, to uh, Reggie Miller, Chris Weber, Nate Robinson, Nate Rock. That that was great. I think that <laughs> one of these things is not like the other. Yeah, seriously, like Shaq, he, Reggie Miller, Nate Robinson. Yeah, and even C Webb. He didn't. He didn't make the Hall of Fame, right? Because Tracy McGrady did. So I feel like Chris Webber was the guy. Maybe he made the Fashion Hall of Fame with his big baggy suit pants. Yeah. So I mean, Chris Webber, regardless, had a pretty solid career. I mean, basically, kind of put college basketball on the map in the nineties. Yeah. Um, so he was in there. But then Nate Robinson, nasty Nate, I think is hysterical. Um, and and apparently maybe this is the route he's going to be going down. Because I don't think he's playing. He didn't play this year, did he? Nate? I think he played in China. In China. Okay. Because I saw it was like. Uh, a tweet or a video or something there was like some gigantic Chinese guy in the league he literally went through his legs yeah that, so you know him playing well that would be a great league Ugh, I should move to China Stefan Marbury Starbury. Nate Robinson and my boy Jimmer Fredette Jimmer Fredette yes oh Jimmer my god Jimmer Fredette averaged averaged like 40 points a game in China You're just sitting there just stroking not to get on a total Jimmer Fredette rant I could do a whole podcast yeah, don't, don't, don't let this man go on a Jimmer oh. Fredette rant because we will be here for hours so but uh, going back to Uncle Drew, it's it's too bad because Kyrie is not even here to defend it with his play on the court. Yes. If he was dropping 30 a game and he looked great, you'd be like, oh, that's awesome. It's like, you know, Space Jam light. Now he's on the bench in his suit and his hoodie and you see the trail for that and you're like, what the fuck is this about? He might as well be Uncle Drew. Yeah, right? So His knees are going to be just as good. And that comes out on June 29th for those who are waiting with baited breath yeah so make sure you get your pre-sale tickets it'll probably sell out to see uncle drew of course all right so uh i mean this has been a pretty good podcast it's been good having you for you know your your first time hopefully you come back we can oh, do it again i will be back this was this was lovely give me a call we'll do lunch all right so. well uh thank you guys for listening to another episode of the 300s podcast and we'll see you next time all right see you later guys